0: Thanks so much for joining us for the latest episode of Taking the Complex and Making it Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. Join us as Michael Merlin, founder of Merlin Wealth Management and various friends and experts break down complicated financial topics to make them easy to understand. If you'd like more information about Merlin Wealth Management, please visit our website at rcm.rocco.com forward slash Merlin. And with that, here's founder of Merlin Wealth Management and private wealth advisor at Rockefeller Capital Management, Michael Merlin.
1: Thanks, Tom. And hi, everybody again. Uh, thank you for joining us for our next episode of taking the complex and making it simple, the MWM podcast. And today's topic is financial planning one Oh one. Uh, this may be geared a little bit more toward our next gen clients, because we're going to be talking about the basics of financial planning. Uh, and, uh, we're going to spend time talking about the planning process and the various elements of planning, including investment, savings, budgeting, all of the insurance estates all the all the different pieces um we'll hit them in a high level and then obviously uh as always we are available for a deeper dive uh on a one-on-one basis whenever uh whenever it's convenient for any of you so um i think we'll start off uh, at the very basic level by defining what is financial planning so financial planning can be executed by a whole host of people, um, and it's got broad definitions, but as far as, as we're concerned, this, the simple definition of financial planning is a process of taking a comprehensive look at your financial situation and building a specific plan to reach your goals. And in order to do that, obviously, uh, a financial plan will have to touch multiple areas, including investing, taxes, savings, retirement, estate planning, insurance. Uh, and maybe a few other things. So the financial planning process is pretty standard, even though, like I said, plenty of people hold themselves out as financial planners, uh, whether they're some CPA firms do financial planning, there are fee only financial planners. We obviously incorporate financial planning into our, um, our services. Um, but the financial planning process itself is pretty self-explanatory. And there are usually four parts. Part one is sitting down and talking through. A client situation, their goals and their objectives for the future. Then once we have that information, uh, otherwise then that and getting that information is sometimes called discovery. So if you're looking at a financial planning toolkit, may say discovery. Discovery is just sitting down and, and, and talking about those things. Uh, the second step would be to develop models, detailing the current situation. So basically providing a summary of all of the discovery data. And then with some projections of what steps will be necessary to reach the short-term, medium-term and long-term financial goals, then we work, then one would work together with the client, the advisor, and then also potentially the outside advisors, like an estate planning attorney and a CPA to implement a plan that would, in theory, help you achieve those short, medium, and long-term financial goals. And then this is a key, key piece, the fourth piece, which is constantly or consistently monitoring that plan so that when there's changes to the financial situation or changes to the market environment, the geopolitical environment, the tax law environment, making sure that we are massaging that plan on a regular basis. But the most important thing that I really want you to leave with today is the idea of having a plan and that how crucial it is to have that plan and to stick to that plan and uh, always to have focus on the fact that it's the plan that is the most important aspect and the progress on the plan and not necessarily the performance of your investments over a quarter, a week, a month, a year, even two years or three years, it's really more the the assumptions and the returns required inside the plan to get you to your stated goals. So when we go through the financial planning process, there are a lot of, as I said, there are a lot of things that have to happen. The most important thing to me is always that initial conversation and subsequent conversations about a client's objectives and their aspiration, their financial aspirations. I, I, I love hearing about all their aspirations, but in the case specifically of the financial plan, we want to understand the financial aspirations. Do you want to own a home in the short run? Do you need to buy a car in the short run? Are you between jobs and require cash flow uh, from your investment, from your savings or from your investments? Or are you about to expand your family, have a child, uh, start a new business, start a new career, go back to school. All of those are sort of short, medium term objectives, The long-term objective of most people is pretty much the same, which is they would like to, at some point in their lives, work a little bit less so that they can enjoy life a little bit more, and therefore they would love for their, to have enough assets put away so that they don't have to work full time. Or maybe even don't have to work at all and can still have a life that's fulfilling and joyful, and they can not worry about, uh, about, about the money piece, they can just worry about making memories and and doing the things they want to do later in life. So those are the, those are the conversations we have. Those conversations can be, um, an hour or two. They can go over, they can be hours and go over several days. Uh, but, but it is such a crucial part of the process in order for everybody to be on the same page to really understand what the, the objectives are, right? It's just like building a house. If you don't spend a lot of time with the architect, making sure that the house is is designed and, and the style is the way that you want it, then the blueprints aren't, if, if it's not the way you want it, then the blueprints are gonna be bad. And then the ultimate implementation or the building part of the construction is gonna not be what you want. So we spend a lot of time in those cons- consultative meetings, making sure that everybody understands the goals. and then no no different again than than in the in the in the in the home building process if at some point during the process you you make a change you have a change order uh we need to know we want to know about that too so that we can help you problem solve for the right solution and the right adjustment to the plan to account for for this new information or for this new change so conversation is huge and then another thing we find to be very effective is illustration which is There's a lot of moving parts to the financial plan. As I mentioned before, there's savings, there's investments, there's tax considerations, there's estate planning considerations, and I tend to be a very visual learner, and I find that it's very effective to provide our clients with illustrations that show how different scenarios will work over time based on certain assumptions. So that's a second part. And then we sit down and we, and we look at those illustrations after we look at the illustrations and typically. A good financial planning process will provide you with multiple illustrations of multiple scenarios so that you have optionality around how you want to proceed and we then take those scenarios and we analyze them for accuracy one for understanding two but also for probability of success Uh, there's a tool that many of you may have heard of called monte carlo analysis which is a iterative process where the, the, uh, financial planning situation is put through several, uh, calculations of six of, of probability of success. Um, it, Monte Carlo takes into account many, many, many years, decades of data of how markets have performed, of tax environments, etc., and say, based on an average of all of that, your plan has X percent probability to be successful. And so we tend to want and and everybody should want a very high probability of success, uh, on a Monte Carlo basis, anything the the Monte Carlo analysis is typically, uh, I- as long as that probability is above 75%, a Monte Carlo analysis is typically seen as successful. Um, we have a little bit higher bar. We'd like to see that number in the high eighties, low nineties, uh, to give us a little bit more certainty. Uh, but, but we definitely want to build that analytical part into the process so that we all feel we are not adopting a plan that is far-fetched or or naive that has a a reasonably uh, high chance of success. And then lastly, uh, we cobble together the plan. Uh, And as I said before, the plan, uh, implementing the plan will typically mostly fall on, on the planner in this case, MWM um, and the client. Uh, But in a lot of cases, we also bring in the expertise of the CPA and or the estate planning attorney. So, for example, uh, if we come up with a savings plan uh, and a subsequent investment plan, it's typically that's typically executed here. Um, But if, as part of those plans, there are some tax advantages. For example, if we start a super simplified 401k or a self-employed person's IRA for a client as a way to save money on a tax deferred basis. We need to let the CPA know so that they can account for that properly and know there there may be some income that is that was prior ordinary income tax that may have some deduction or some favorable treatment to it. Uh, and then also a big part of this is once we do get things in place and if there is a concern about estate taxes, whether uh, from the standpoint of the client having assets that would exceed their estate tax exclusion or the, the passing of assets to children uh, or saving money for children whether it's for education or for general purposes um, but that there's not obviously a desire to give that money to the children at this stage then it would in- institute uh, the idea of, of, of trusts or a family llc uh, and that's where we would bring an attorney in um, in addition to helping the client craft an appropriate will uh, that would go along with the financial plan. So let's talk about the components of the financial plan, because I think be, beyond this process and beyond kind of being handed um, something that shows the analysis of the of the numbers and, and how much you need to save to get to X amount by retirement or whatever the case were to save for a house or a car, whatever the case may be, there's really um, – five different aspects that we should make sure a comprehensive financial plan covers. The first is looking at your balance sheet. So what does that mean? Balance sheet includes your investments, both taxable and tax deferred. Um, it includes private investments. So if you own, uh, your own company or you own a piece of an outside company, or you own private real estate, um, that would be included in your balance sheet. Uh, notes receivable. So anything, if you have, if you've loaned money to someone and they're paying you interest, those notes are obviously assets, uh, own directly owned real estate, you own a home. If you own multiple homes, if you own, uh, the building that your business is in, obviously that goes on the balance sheet. Um, and then your tangible personal property goes on the balance sheet. And obviously any of that is, um, is, is couched by any, any debt that may be on or, or collateralized by any of those assets. So the first thing you want to do is analyze the balance sheet, look at it from a top down basis, see what your net worth is um, today in order to have the starting point of where to go from there. But assets aren't the only part of the story. Obviously, the second part is cash flow. So number two is cash flow and why cash flow is important is for two reasons. One, obviously, is to make sure that you have the cash flow to live in today's dollars the way you want to live. But the other reason that cash flow is important is because we're trying to find some excess cash flow that we can utilize to continue to build the financial plan. Right. If the, if the, if the assets themselves or the plan itself is, is the car, the cash flow is the gas that goes in or the oil that goes in to lubricate the engine, whichever analogy you prefer. But we need something to, to make that engine work and to keep that plan or keep those assets growing to get us to where we want to be and, and obviously some of that will come from market returns returns on your traditional assets returns on any kind of private assets returns on real estate all of that will will assist but it's this habit of being of putting money away of constantly saving whether that's in a retirement plan whether it's in a savings account whether it's in an investment account whether it's in 529s for for children uh that has to become habitual and that money can come that cash flow can come from several places obviously Um, The primary place it comes from is from from salary. So if your salary, you pay your taxes, you pay your bills and there's some excess. That's the most obvious place for it to come from. Um, It can come from investment income. So if you're getting a significant amount of income from investments, dividends, interest from bonds, um, interest from notes from notes, uh, distributions from income producing real estate, all of that contributes to your cash flow Uh, and therefore uh you have the ability to uh reinvest some of that cash flow um towards your savings goals and therefore towards your financial planning goals uh the the third piece of a comprehensive financial plan should look at the investments themselves you obviously want to make sure uh because as i mentioned before a key component of the financial plan success will be the rate of return on the assets and another key component something that's really really important is whenever you run a financial plan you want to make sure that the assumptions are conservative so the if we if we really want to push ourselves and save $25,000 a year we should build a plan on the assumption that we only save 15 if we really really like the investments we have and think we can get a 8 or 9% return we should only run the plan with a 6% return so we want to make sure that the assumptions we have for an investment returns are reasonable and conservative because we obviously would rather be pleasantly surprised than bitterly disappointed 5, 10, 15 years from now. And so we wanna build the plan with realistic assumptions, making sure that the assets perform at or above what our assumptions are. And and part of that that will be the the asset allocation of those assets, the diversification of those assets, the composition of those assets. Sometimes there's nothing we can do about parts of that. So it is uh, common that we have clients who have concentrated stock positions because they maybe inherited a stock from a parent or a grandparent, or they have a concentrated stock position because they get paid a specific, a significant amount of their compensation from company stock, from the company that they work for. They have stock options that convert into restricted stock. Uh, in any and all those cases, there's really not much we can do in the short run to control the, the, the concentration itself. Um, there are circumstances where we can help hedge that concentration. Um, but but for the most part, it's by us managing the other assets that are not associated with the concentrated position um, in a way that that provides diversification on top of that concentration. So we need to monitor all those things during the financial planning process and make sure that ha- that we are very comfortable with how they're affecting the variables that go in to the financial plan, in this case, specifically the investment time horizon, and also the investment uh, the pr- projected return. The fourth component of the financial plan would be the estate planning. So as I mentioned before, uh, making sure that, that wills are updated and are in concert with the overall planning. If there are entities, trusts, uh, family LLCs, uh, anything along those lines that they are uh, incorporated into the, the the investment plan properly, uh, if there's a trust, for example, that grows outside of your estate, we may want to make sure that the higher growth assets go into those trusts. Uh, and if there's assets that are tax deferred, we, we, we may want to make sure that that, uh, that that investments that might have a lot of um, just-in-time or current income or taxable income or short-term capital gains go into tax deferred vehicles like retirement plans. Um, and then if there's a family LLC that we're using, if there's illiquid assets like closely held business interests, they may want to go into a family LLC where if we gift or sell those assets to trust for the next generation, um, we can get a, 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 a di- an illiquidity discount on those interests, and those interests can be still controlled by the by the owner, um, but, the, but the growth can be passed down uh, free of estate tax to next generations. And then the other, obviously, another piece of estate planning is charitable planning. So, regardless of your status, whether you're just starting out or you already have the building blocks of a seasoned financial plan, uh, a lot of our clients are charitably inclined and we can help. We want to solve in the financial plan for charitable giving as well. Kind of flows over into that cash flow piece as well, because you might want to use cash flow to fund some of your charitable contributions. We tend to advise clients to use assets to fund their charitable contributions because it's a much more tax efficient way. Uh, It's a a win-win-win, as I like to say on the tax side, when you fund charitable contributions with appreciated stock or appreciated assets. But we wanna make sure we build that in to the financial plan and then also into the estate plan because there are charitable vehicles, whether they're donor advised funds, foundations, charitable trusts, where making contributions to those gets you significant tax advantages both from a state tax and from a current income tax perspective. And then the fifth piece obviously is liability management. So there's a lot of different types of liabilities. Most of them um, are mitigated or addressed by insurance. So whether it's life insurance, whether it's property and casualty insurance, uh, disability, long-term care, those are the kind of things that we think about in the future. So what could upend your financial plan are the kind of things we think about from a liability management perspective. So if there was some significant risk to a a significant asset in your plan, again, the business, for example, there was a business continuity issue. You might want um, key man insurance to to uh, to fill that gap to make sure that that asset wasn't impaired um, and hurt your financial plan in a disproportionate way. Um, Life insurance obviously in general on you or on or on the spouse. Uh, to make sure that, that income that was being uh, counted upon for current living and also for savings into the financial plan was be able to be replaced. And then obviously disability for the same reason, and then long-term care, so that the plan isn't upended at the end where we've done all the right things and we've planned for a successful retirement, and then all of a sudden there's an unforeseen health issue that starts to chew away at what was otherwise supposed to be the retirement income. So those are the five parts that of the of a, of a comprehensive plan. I'm, I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about, uh, one part of the plan, which is really the, the budgeting, the beginning part, which is sort of the budgeting and cash flow piece. Uh, I, I, and I just want to key on, on two specific points. Uh, number one is start early and number two is, uh, don't be in a rush. So, uh, those things may sound like they conflict with each other, but I'll explain, so I'm gonna start with the second one first, which is don't be in a rush. When we get clients, especially our younger next-generation clients who want to start a financial plan, they want to start saving. They immediately want to start investing, right? Because investing's fun. Investing's exciting. Uh, I think especially the way that we do it here at MWM, where you have tangible ownership and wonderful companies, and it's great to learn about those companies and feel pride in owning those companies and seeing them do well over long periods of time. Um, but first things first when it comes to financial planning and when it comes to budgeting, and that and that is. Everyone needs a rainy day fund, or like we like to call an emergency fund. Uh, and it's boring and and it's not fun. But if you don't have the, the, the general consensus from financial planners and from the CFP community is that an emergency fund should contain enough liquid assets to cover three to six months of expenses. Um, and so if you don't have that set aside, then while it's exciting to start with individual stocks or into the MWM equity strategies or into an S&P index fund, the first thing you should do is save monthly until you get that emergency fund built. So that's why I say don't rush. Uh, after that emergency fund's built, then obviously the fund can begin and, and we can head straight into an, a, a, a much more comprehensive investment plan, but that has to be first. And then the other thing is to start early. There's a great illustration um that we ran uh that shows the impact of saving five thousand dollars a year starting at age 20 versus five thousand dollars a year starting at age 30. and if you assume a conservative six percent investment return saving at 20 resulted in over one million sixty thousand dollars in accumulated savings uh, to age 65 uh versus only five hundred and sixty thousand dollars when starting at age 30. So a half million dollar difference by starting 10 years earlier. So you only saved from 20 to 30, $50,000. So $5,000 times 10, you only saved $50,000 more, but you ended up with half a million dollars more in additional savings by 65 due to the properties of compounding interests. And so we talk about compounding all the time, but this is a great example to show how compounding really, really helps. And so the sooner you start, the better. So Sooner we start, the better, and then we got to make sure we build that uh, that emergency fund first. Uh, as many of you have already listened to our, our earlier podcast, our first podcast with Amy Nadler talking about the key tenants of of proper tax planning and Abby Flaum, who is our second podcast, talking about the key tenants of proper estate planning. I'm not going to go through uh, the elements of those two items as it relates to the, uh, as it relates to the financial plan. Um, and, and those are really the other elements involved in the planning. So uh, with that being said, uh, I'm gonna say that uh, we, we welcome the opportunity to talk to anyone about starting a plan, about uh, reviewing a plan they may have done many years ago that uh, they think maybe has uh, is, uh, is in need of updating based on new situations. And obviously from the standpoint of, of MWM clients, if we've already created a financial plan for you, and every single one of our clients um, has or should have a financial plan, uh, we're going to start focusing uh, a lot more on the plan itself uh, and making sure that we are uh, reviewing that plan and updating that plan uh, on a on a, at least on an annual basis to make sure that our focus is in the right place. It's very easy in this day and age to get uh, to get uh, overwhelmed and to get uh, to get uh, uh, distracted by. The noise in the world and there's plenty of it today uh, and I just finished writing uh, our our first quarter uh, uh, client letter uh, talking about a lot of those things whether it's interest rates and inflation or the war between Russia and Ukraine there are a lot of things out there to distract us um, and there's a lot of volatility and uncertainty in the markets but especially at a time like now I think it's important to focus on the things we can control and one of those uh, main tenants that we can control is, is our financial planning so uh, hope you enjoyed, uh, the, the, the conversation and the discussion. I really appreciate, um, you listening in, uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you or hearing, uh, or hearing you, uh, are you hearing us, I guess on the next, uh, taking It complex and making it simple podcast.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode of taking the complex and making it simple. The Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. For more information on Merlin Wealth Management, please visit our website, at rcm.rocco.com forward slash Merlin. Please stay tuned for an important legal disclaimer. This recording is provided for informational purposes only and is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or to participate in any investment strategy and should not be interpreted to constitute a recommendation with respect to any security or investment plan. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the presenters as of the date of this recording may not be current and are subject to change and are general in nature. Rockefeller Capital Management has no obligation to provide any updates or changes. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Rockefeller Capital Management and may differ from the views and opinions of other departments or divisions of Rockefeller Capital Management and its affiliates. Rockefeller Capital Management is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. The information is not individualized. You should review any planned financial transactions or arrangement that may have tax accounting or legal implications with your personal professional advisors. Rockefeller Capital Management does not guarantee the accuracy or reliability of the information provided in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. No investment strategy can guarantee profit or protection from loss. Future results may vary substantially from past performance. Investing involves risk, including a risk of loss. This recording may not be copied, reproduced, or distributed in whole or in part for any purpose without prior written consent. Rockefeller Capital Management is the marketing name of Rockefeller Capital Management LP and its affiliates. Merlin Wealth Management is part of Rockefeller Financial LLC, a broker-dealer and investment advisor duly registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, member Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Securities Investor Protection Corporation. The registrations and memberships mentioned in no way imply the SEC has endorsed the entities, products, or services discussed herein. Additional information is available upon request.